Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, we are um, in this series, Eight Hills. And um, some things are worth dying for, is what we've been saying. The series is all about life church values. Eight things that we just really hold close to our heart. Um, they are the priorities which we've decided are worth fighting for. In fact, the series, we could have called it, um, This Is Us. Okay, because um, these are the things we're going to be intentional about. I don't know if you know this, but there's all kinds of ways to do church, do church life. And uh, you may have come from somewhere and you say, why didn't this church do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Well, we can't be all things to all people uh, so, uh, and do it well. And so we've decided on some very specific things that, that, that dictate what we do do for, for a large part. So, so far... Um, We've looked at four values. Now, values are not a doctrinal statement. We have a doctrinal statement, but they define us in different way. Uh, they determine the church's personality. This really sets what you experience, what you encounter whenever you encounter Life Church. It really sets our personality. So, um, we've talked about biblical truth, God's love passionate spirituality, and connected community. And today the topic is generosity. <clears throat> um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put up our statement uh, in three sections about generosity, and we're going to dissect those and look at biblical uh, things behind them that would clearly define for us the benefit of generosity, the purpose of generosity for us and for Life Church. So, first of all, the value statement, generosity. Generosity is at the heart of God. And when we give generously, we reflect his heart. Generously frees, generosity frees us, our heart from greed. It makes us partners with God in changing the world. We can never outgive God, therefore we choose to give generously. All right. We'll pick that apart. First of all, a question though. For everyone who is married or ever has been married, the question is this. The moment you became married, how many of you can honestly say by raising your hand that from that first moment, you and your spouse had the identical same approach to money? Okay, at least we're all honest here. Fantastic. Hey, my wife and I came from different backgrounds. We were married on January 1st of 1983. And January 1st, you know, why did we choose that? What was the story behind that? Um, mostly had to do with convenience for where we were in a period of life. But um, we, we, we do things a little um, concentratedly in, in my family. We have, of course, um, on the 25th Christmas, my wife's birthday is on the 26th. My parents' anniversary is on the 27th. Her parents' anniversary, the number, same number of years, born on the, 20, on the 28th. Our firstborn was born on the 29th, and we were married on the 1st. Okay. So, you know, in those early years of figuring out how to manage uh, finances in the midst of all of that, when you have nothing, 
it's kind of fun. And so our first Christmas together as a married couple, December 25th, uh, 1983. I'm thinking, well, you know, got some real huge limitations here and I got a birthday the next day and and what am I going to do? So I gave some real careful thought and um, some very specific research and on Christmas Day, 1983, I presented my wife with an iron. <laughs> whoa, 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 you judgmental women. That wasn't all I gave her. The next day for her birthday, I gave her a Black & Decker dust buster. Um, shall we say there was some fallout? <laughs> And so you're wondering what I gave her for anniversary. I don't know the trauma that I experienced after all of that. I don't recall that. Um, but, you know, we approach money differently. And most of us do, though, have this expectation if you talk about giving generously, it's something more than that which is utilitarian, needed, has a limited purpose beyond just blessing the person. So, the first part of our statement about generosity is this. Generosity is at the heart of God, and when we give generously, we reflect his heart. Deuteronomy 15 says, God says, give generously to them, that is the needy among you, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be the poor among you, in the land, therefore, I command you to be open-handed, to be generous toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy. Now, let's put this in today's language. He says, be open-handed, be generous towards those in the family of God, those in the church. That's the first priority. And we know what poor is. We, we might have been, we might be or we certainly have decided if we were not poor, we don't want to be poor. But needy sometimes gets kind of mixed up a little bit. And needy just simply means anyone you need. Whatever the reason for the need, whatever the the circumstances, uh, anyone who's in need. So those in the church, uh, your priority should be giving and making sure everyone's taken care of in that regard. I was four years old and we moved from Dillsburg, Pennsylvania in 1964 to Finley, Ohio, to Brookside Place. The reason we moved was Dad had started out in his family's florist business and had felt a call to ministry. And so we left Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, to go to Finley, Ohio, to go to our denominations uh, college and then ultimately uh, seminary in the same city for him to prepare to become a pastor. Very little money. We lived in this little rented house. Um, mom stayed home, dad worked full-time and went to school full-time, and um, uh, there just wasn't much money. I became aware, I didn't know all that, all that much, but I became aware one afternoon, and I was four years old, I don't know how, how I became aware of this, probably because we were complaining about what we were to have to eat, but for lunch that day, I was aware that we were about to eat the very last food in the house. And mom and us three kids were sharing, I'm the oldest, mom and us three kids, I'm four, uh, we were sharing um, uh, one can of condensed soup. 
And my dad, uh, he was eating one home canned jar of cherries. Now, dad would never use the word hate, but dad hated cherries. (laughs) And so we ate the meal, we went to bed, took our naps. I remember waking up and seeing uh, toward the door coming after I had been up for a little bit, uh, Pastor Jackson, the pastor of the church that we are part of at that point. And mom and dad now, after having been served in lots of different locations, are back at that church in the last part of their lives. And um, Pastor Jackson coming up to the door with an armload of groceries. And then he went back to his open trunk and brought another armload of groceries. My dad has never had money all of his life, but he considered himself rich in a lot of different ways. And... Um, we buried him earlier this week. Um, after 17 months in a hospice care, he finally uh, has been relieved of his pain. Uh, and what dad is unable to do with regard to leaving a financial inheritance, he left in a faith and a confidence in God's provision. In the midst of all of that, I remember hearing as a four-year-old him say, God is never a moment too soon or a moment too late. But that was my first experience of, that I was aware of, of receiving from people who knew there was a need. It was very spectacular. It just really made a, a, a point to me because of dad's reaction to it all. The facts are, Titus 3, 6 and 7 says, God saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. (laughs) Think about inheritors of God's stuff. And having the hope of eternal life. Generosity is at the heart of God. Now, I want to to point out something because some of you, this may be something that you need to hear even more than the rest of the message today. I think the message is really for all of us, but but this deal. When you see um, the hope of eternal life, you see the hope of eternal life talked about in Scripture. In the New Testament, the word hope, you know, we all think is, you know, kind of hope is, well, I don't know. It might happen. Um, I hope it happens. In the New Testament, the word hope always speaks to a certainty that has not yet been experienced. A certainty that has not been experienced. So you talk about the hope of salvation or the hope of uh, life in Christ, we're talking about reality, not just something that may or may not happen, all right? Very important to understand. So uh, this first phrase, this first part of our Uh, value says generosity is in fact the heart of God. And when we give generously, we reflect that heart. All right. The second part says this generosity frees our heart from greed and makes us partners with God in changing the world. Matthew 23, 25 and 26 says, whoa, which means, Hey, look out. (laughs) Whoa to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. And he's not talking about a cup and a dish. He's talking about them. 
You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Now, here's the question. Are you greedy? Well, if you've been in church very long, you, you know the Pharisees are the bad guys. I mean, they, they, they put on this show of, of being real spiritual and all that, but they don't have the right heart behind it all. Okay? So, I'm not greedy. <laughs> I'm not a Pharisee. All right. Well, are you self-indulgent? Do you at times prefer to give attention and priority to your ease of life and luxuries to some degree or another and wants over uh, what you know someone else needs? Well, yes, we all do. That statement, me asking you if you are self-indulgent, isn't to make you feel bad, it's to recognize reality. We all need relieved, released from the grip of self-indulgence and, and greed very often as well. <clears throat> and here's the deal. Uh, you have to understand that God doesn't need our money because he lacks resources. You understand that? <laughs> he owns the cattle in a thousand hills and all the hills in between and the cattle in between. You understand? So uh, it's not about him finagling us to give because he doesn't have resources. And no one's uh, announcing that. But he has chosen to partner with us. And you can debate whether it was a wise decision, but I wouldn't question God. He has chosen to partner with us in this job of getting his work done. To get resources to others through us. And we have a choice to participate or not to participate. See, God has a purpose for our giving, and it's, it is not to make us miserable. Do you know that tithing can be just a habit sort of thing, you know, a commonplace sort of thing? And some of you go, uh, who haven't tithed yet, you go, how could it possibly be true that giving 10% uh, to the local church, as directed by the scripture, would ever become mundane and, and, and second nature, happenstance? And well, it can be. It's possible that it's, uh, giving of any sort can be just done out of duty, just out of obedience. It's possible to not have, have a bad or mad attitude about giving, but uh, what I encountered at one point in my life was I just realized I had no faith and no joy behind it. I wasn't mad about it. I just didn't have any expectation about anything. I was just doing my duty. And what we need is we need an understanding that God has a purpose for giving and it's about expanding his work while at the same time expanding us. So we need freed from our natural orientation to focus on us. All right, here's the third part of the statement. We can never outgive God, therefore we choose to give generously. Proverbs 11 and 25 says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Well, yeah, wait, that's Old Testament. 
That, that was the orientation of things. That's kind of how they, how they did it back then. You know, uh, uh, wealth showed that God's favor was upon you. I'm always amazed at how often you run into Christians who, who believe that the topic of giving is spoken of differently in the Old Testament than it is in the New. Because it's just not true. And, and just for one passage of Scripture, let's go here to 2 Corinthians 9. A whole passage, 8 and 9, chapters 8 and 9, about, about giving, which I'll say just a bit more in a moment. But possible says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And it's this next line I should have highlighted. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, that is, he blesses a cheerful giver. Now, more than once I've heard this scripture used as an excuse for a Christian not to tithe or to give. I certainly don't want to make God mad. God doesn't like people to give with a bad attitude feeling like they're supposed to or being pressed by someone. And there's another problem with this passage of scripture. Most of us have read this. It's been read in the context of taking up the offering on Sunday. And, and if you read um, uh, prior to this, Paul's instructions to the church was in this letter, uh, here's how you should handle giving. Put aside a portion in accordance with how God has blessed you uh, and bringing it at the beginning of every week. So we think church, local church life. It's not about local church life. It's about a special gift, a special offering for the very poor believers in the church of Jerusalem. And, and, and they're persecuted, they're in a tough spot. And Paul has written to all the churches and has arranged for all the churches outside of the area to be preparing. So he doesn't have to come and, and to last minute, spur of the moment, do a, 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 a desperate fundraising campaign or appeal. Uh, to, he wants it to be a sizable gift. So he's telling them, this is how you should do this, preparing this special gift. And by the way, the message really is, if you don't have a good attitude about giving... You should be changing your attitude, not your practice. Okay. Continuing on this passage, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this uh, Having all that you need, having all that you need, having, you cannot, here, you need to listen, you cannot give to help someone else out to your own detriment. You cannot outgive God. And so our value, the third Part of it says we can never outgive God. Therefore, we choose to give generously. 
Now, a little bit of clarity here, because I could hear the wheels grinding, I see them. We do not give to get, okay? It's not a magic formula, a magic button. You just, just uh, hey, if you want to be really well off, give. I know it sounds kind of ludicrous, but, but, but if you want to be well off, give. I know a, a lot of TV people have taught that kind of thing, sowing seeds into their ministry. I mean, because if you sow, then God will give you seed back. And uh, by the way, um, I'm hoping you're believing all of this because why you give to me and I continue to to uh, entice you with the uh, prospect of you getting richer, I'm going to get rich. <laughs> the problem is part of what is taught by people like that is really true, it's biblical. And yet they've, they, they've perverted it for their own means and their own hearts. But this is really, really, really important. God makes the rules. And he says, give, and it will be given to you. Anytime we have something, a problem with something in the Bible, then there's a problem somewhere else. We don't just throw out because of some distortions by some teachers, truth that God wants us to comprehend and inculcate in us because it makes us uneasy some way because of some other things. Okay? Now, having said all of that, um, it's now time to talk about some practicalities. And, and I love stories of people giving and, and experiencing the joy of giving. One such uh, presentation happened in this video where some uh, high school advanced placement students uh, were really appreciative for the job their teacher had done with them and uh, prepared a special gift for him at the end of the year. Watch this. box, yes. What a great gift. What I wanted, guys. Thank you. Just surprised it's not an Amazon box. <laughs> what? No way. No way. Did you guys just put it in the box? Because I know what this is. No way. No way. <laughs> Yeah, you remember when we were asking that one day? Yeah. Oh, you guys, no. Did you get my size too? 12. Yeah. 12. John snuck that in there. You got your size when you're talking about yourself. <laughs> Yeah, happy birthday right, and Merry Christmas. Fist bumps. Now, maybe you're not looking for $400 shoes, and that's just fine, but you think he felt cared for. 
And what I really love about this story is as, as you read further interview or actually can see it in some film clips of, uh, of the student who was the organizer, he says, I wouldn't give any money in the world for the feeling of what it was like giving to this teacher. Acts 20, 35 says, in everything I did, Paul says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, what he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some of us church people, we've come to understand this uh, in a very diluted way, this passage of scripture. Because uh, what does blessed mean? And uh, by the way, if you encounter this verse for the first time in the King James Version, it is more blessed, <laughs> is the way you heard it, to, to give than to receive. What is blessed anyway? What is it? What is that? And so the assumption is, um, if you give, uh, it may be really nasty and it may really hurt and it may be really uncomfortable, but at least you'll be on God's good side. It's not what it means. <laughs> It is more blessed. You are more blessed to give than receive. And that was expressed um, after this video in the interview with, with, with uh, the student. He said, I wouldn't give anything. And it could be that at that age, they really hadn't done much in their life that had that kind of consequence of raising the funds and giving in such a generous fashion. Now, most of you know that here at Life Church, ten uh, percent um, of all the income is given for uh, the general fund is immediately set aside for missions. We tithe ten percent. We give ten percent away to to people and causes uh, that have nothing to do with sustaining the life of Life Church. Uh, we live that. We teach it. We preach it. We do it. And, 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 and you know that we have missionaries regularly come on the stage here. And, 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 and the purpose is we want everyone to understand there's a world outside of, of your own. Okay? And there are effective things being done outside of the world that's not yours. And that missionaries are being directed and anointed by God for some great things. They're not just people who couldn't make it here in the real world, so they're ministering somewhere off there. Okay. And, and you know, most of you, about our kingdom builders, our um, missions advancing tool, whereby we give uh, those who pledged, you know, about 400,000 or so this year uh, to other missions projects uh, one happens to be for us this year, uh, planning a church, opening the new uh, church in Wilton, but that's a very small part of it. Lots of other things. And we have about a $1.85 million budget this year, so uh, the tithe that we give for the other income, the general fund income, will be 185000 if that's the amount we receive. So missions is a priority for Pastor Rich. And by the way, I should say this. We are a blessed congregation because Pastor Rich wrestled these values out before the church ever began. It just makes it very clear 
very clear for everyone who has taught them how uh, this church is going to operate. And so we have what we have in terms of the character, the nature, the personality of the church is because we've been intentional about it. But anyway, so now uh, in Servolution, you know that uh, Servolution is a title that we use for our umbrella title for local outreaches. And so we have the back to school, we have the um, event, we have the Thanksgiving meal giveaway. And in, most, in both events, we, you know, somewhere in an area of 800 families are affected, impacted in each of those events. Uh, and the Servolution Back to School, where we get backpacks, school supplies, and all kinds of other things, haircuts, etc., cetera, uh, is coming up very shortly. You'll begin hearing about that probably next week. But, uh, so, all that's great. And most, most people are really impressed or um, feel blessed, don't know what to say about it. To participate in those things as we do as a congregation, it's just really awesome. But let me say on the other side, we don't give to get, but... Let me give you a couple of examples of, of things that have happened for us in the midst of all of these kinds of priorities. Last, uh, end of the summer, or, or end of the spring or early summer, um, we received a check out of nowhere for $80,000, unrestricted for our general fund. Now, as, as the guy who's responsible for the finances uh, in the middle of a pandemic, and you're wondering, you know, we're going to be standing just because anybody would wonder that. Um, <laughs> that gets your attention. You got all of our attention. Uh, this year, we got to check uh, about the same time of year from someone, and we, and we don't know where that came from. It came as a certified check from a bank. The bank was clear that the person didn't want anyone to know who, who gave. Uh, this year, we got a $53,000 check out of nowhere from someone outside the congregation. Uh, some of us know this person, but... Um, they're not, they're not a part of this congregation. Uh, we've had people give, uh, uh, many of you, when we get to these Servolution events, come up to say and say, uh, hey, what do you need? Uh, what's left uncovered right now? And uh, several thousand dollars given. In Kingdom Builders, we've had gifts much larger than 80,000 or 53,000 given for those kind of missions projects by people in the congregation. God really, I mean, if we make him a priority, uh, he's not snoring during that, all right? <clears throat> now, Christy and I have been cultivating for a number of years this uh, principle of generosity, cultivating generosity. It started with uh, uh, giving 10% um, tips, because that's, you know, what it was at restaurants back you know, a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, uh, now you can, you always get a 20% tip. And, and we're very practiced at eating out. So um, uh, we're practiced at tipping. Uh, and, and you can't hardly do anything to lose a 20% tip. That's, that's where we start. And uh, it's been many years since someone's lost it because here's the deal. And we give a lot more sometimes. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> where this server came from this morning or this afternoon. I, I, I don't know if she has children at home who are watching themselves. I don't know if it's the second or third job she has. Yeah, she might have or he might have a rotten attitude, but I don't know the story. I don't know how bad the, the cook in the kitchen is screwing things up that's making it hard for them. I don't know. So a generous heart... <laughs> 
displayed with generous giving is what we chose to do. Now, we've had to cultivate that over many years. We do other things. I mean, we, we give here, of course, tithe here. We, we uh, give to kingdom builders. Uh, we've helped somebody with their mortgage for several years whose situation changed and they just needed help. Uh, we do a number of things just as God leads us. We were on the way back from my dad's funeral on Thursday. We were driving, and Chrissy said to me, uh, and this had to do in the context of the people we had just been around. She said, I feel like we should give. And she named, named the people and immediately had an amount of money in my head. <clears throat> now, uh, I said, well, let me think about it. <laughs> because we were gone for two weeks. We were supposed to be at mom and dad's for three days. We left on the fourth day to go for our planned vacation in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and got the call that dad was, uh, just had hours to live, and so we turned around and came back, and we I had not, because I usually don't do these things. I did not buy insurance for the, the paid reservation, and we lost a lot of money. And so it didn't matter. We still could make this donation to her suggestion, but I just was still a little stung by that reality. I didn't get a vacation, and they got my money. Um, great giver that I am. <laughs> uh, um, but, but the next day I said, hey, you know, you mentioned this uh, giving. I've been thinking about too. I think this is what we should give. And, and what do you think? She said, well, uh, at first I thought X, which was half of what I suggested. But then later yesterday, I felt like it should be what I suggested. Okay. Uh, why? What I tell you about Christie's and my giving, about Life Church's giving. Because it sure could sound braggadocious and, hey, we're looking for a pat on the back. Not the case. Um, the bottom line is we want you <laughs> to know we live this stuff. Just 13 years ago, we have some way of money now, but 13 years ago, we uh, felt we were in such a place after the economic downturn in 2008 that we felt like we had to file bankruptcy. Things are completely different now, but we have cultivated it, and I won't, won't, I'm not claiming this is the only factor involved here, but we have cultivated um, this attitude of generosity. All right. So, it's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much you give in comparison to other people. It's about, are you looking beyond yourself? And if not, what can you do about that? See, some of you are way ahead of Chrissy and I in this uh, generosity journey. Uh, you've been giving for quite a long time. Uh, whether you're a big brother or big sister here in the other area, whether you're taking care of family members who need help, whether you're a foster parent, we have a number of those, whether you have adopted children, we have a number of those, whether you're serving almost every Sunday somewhere here in the building. Uh, what about at Cedar Rapids set up and tear down team? Huh? And there are others. Maybe you're tithing and giving to kingdom builders. 
or doing a whole lot of other things that nobody here on earth knows anything about. The bottom line is for all of us, the question is, what are you doing to cultivate a mindset of generosity? What are you doing? It's not about being seen, it's about developing a very large heart that appropriately displays the heart of God. What are you doing? Don't ignore that question. You might have to come back to it and commit to, to what you hear God saying, but do that. Come back and commit and cultivate a generous heart.